Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. I am your host, Craig Hanks, and I am here with an episode all about, well, I wanted to say sci-fi, but I think space opera is going to be the better term. We're going to dig into this term a little bit. I love episodes like this because um, it gives me a chance to take a term that I feel like I know uh, and then discover how much I don't know about it because I've got two guests with me. Sharon Lee and Steve Miller. How are you guys? We're great. We're doing good. And this is a, you're a husband wife team, right? Who's been publishing books together for how, how, when was the first one? What year did that come out? Our first novel came out in 1988. 1988. So you guys have been doing this for a while. You've been around the block, you know, the game and, and you know, all the terminology like space <laughs> opera. And before we turn the when we turned the mics on, or before we turned the mics on, you said, I think Steve might have been you who said, well, you know, that the term has changed quite a bit over the years. And, and I, my eyebrows were raised and I'm thinking, wait, what? It has? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so oh, yeah. let me let me start. Um, and I should tell people we are going to talk about your latest offering. We'll do that at the end of the episode. They'll get to hear a little bit of a pitch about the latest thing uh, to come out from you guys. But I do want to dive right into this subject talk about space opera steve uh was that you who said that well i i think we both sort of um, leaned in that direction so mm. it, um we had um space opera came to to us because we read the old books and we enjoyed the ones that were not hard science so we re did things like andre norton uh arguably space opera where you had mm. um, potential for uh, inter interstellar universes and, and interstellar um, uh, operations and, and uh, governments and things left over from the galactic past and, and, and that kind of stuff. And Space Opera does cover some of that. It's now grown, <clears throat> can, it's now grown considerably, but. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, it's gone through, it's, it's gone through phases of um, being in bad odor. Uh, when we first <laughs> sure. when, when we first started, um, our editor, our first editor at Del Rey Books, um, apologized for calling our stuff space opera because that was um, a, a de deprecated um, phrase at that point. Right. The space opera was um, what was it? Perry Rodan and all the things that went on forever. <clears throat> uh, so um, they were trying, and, and we were trying to move away from space opera at that point, and science fiction was going through one of its, um, we're going to be literary now phases. Um, not necessarily the writers, but the people who are trying to guide the field. Um, and space opera is, um, is fun. And you, you know why it's space opera, of course. Well, actually, let's go back. Let's start kind of, um, I don't know about the beginning, but uh, we can go back to, was the term in use before Gene Roddenberry came out with Star Trek? Oh, oh yes. yes. Oh, yes. Okay. It was... All right. No, Gene so, Roddenberry's hey. a newbie. Yeah. <laughs> the reason, the reason Yell at me all you want. No, this is this is where I get my ignorance corrected. Bring it <clears throat> Okay. So where, where does the term start as far as you know? Space opera. Space opera. Horse opera. Opera. It came from <laughs> opera, soap opera. Sure. Um, big stories, lots of emotion, um, silly, silly plot threads. Um, it's fun. Um, 
tragedy, human emotion, it, it all came from opera. And, and then so have space opera, which is opera in space, and horse opera, which were westerns, and soap operas, which were, you know, General Hospital and all the rest of that stuff that my grandmother used to love to watch. Um, and we all have a we all have that that history of telling stories about people. And, and the, that's yeah, okay. So opera being primarily about the people involved, not necessarily the the setup or the setting around them, right? Oh, so but often when, the the drama of what they're doing is very important. The mm. the the exaggeration of an opera. This is an important thing. And horse opera came, of course, because of the movies when when uh uh, there was this suddenly in the 30s, there were all these movies that were horse operas and somebody made a comment in a fanzine that uh, Doc Smith was writing horse operas in space, in effect, and so it became space opera. And E.E. E. Doc Smith, of course, is, is um, was one of the, the field leaders with his Skylark of Valeron and the the entire uh, his entire conception of of amazing galactic empires that could come to battle. Uh, so the battles, after a while, became um, became too much for a lot of people, and uh, yeah, the, the battles became uh, uh, were were seen as overdone. And interestingly mm. enough, one of the things that happened in later science fiction that we were that we were fighting against when we started our own series is that later on, quote, sci-fi became sort of male-oriented. And in the very first uh, story that Doc Smith wrote, uh, which was had action adventure, and so, he tried to make sure he had a woman's viewpoint and had a, a, a female co-author so that they could not forget the romance and not forget the because he thought that was important, having seen so many of the, um, in effect, He-Man situations where they wanted to, <laughs> sure. where, where everything was about the the intrepid pilot and his crew, the and Rocky Garrett. Jones. Yes, Rocky Jones. Um, and we can't, when we, when it became our turn, um, we said to each other as we were sitting down talking about what it is we want to write, um, that the lone hero is boring. Nobody is a lone hero. You have a family, you have partners, you have people that you interact with all the time. So so the Leiden universe is a vastly populated universe. There are a lot of characters and they, they are connected. Um, no one actually is the lone hero. Um, you couldn't, they can't do what they've done without the support of the other characters. Right, and that's where a story becomes dynamic, right? It, mm -hmm. I suppose it, it can work in small doses every once in a while. You have your, uh, I, I guess Conan the Barbarian wouldn't even be a great example. John Wick <laughs> nowadays would be a great yeah. example of the, the lone hero. But really, it's uh, I have this analogy that I often use when I talk about delivery systems where uh, you take a cereal like um, uh, Honeycomb. It's an okay cereal, but really it's just a delivery system for fresh cut strawberries. You know, yes. that, that's how I get my strawberries, right? To put them on the cereal. And, um, and really, sometimes these lone, 
hero movies like John Wick would be that's just a delivery system for great action scenes. You know, right. let's, let's right. be real. Uh, it doesn't have a ton of that human drama that we see when we start introducing other characters and relationships uh, uh, into the mix. So where where does your personal history then come in with all this stuff? Uh, when were you introduced to science fiction and space opera? And, and what made you fall in love with it and say, I want to do that? Um, it's back, well, I, back, I, in the, back in the before times, um, you couldn't just read science fiction. You can do that now. You can just read in genre and never leave your genre. Um, but you couldn't do that when we were um, starting to read. And this is, I'm, I'm talking when the paperbacks cost 15 cents, all right? And they were like 40,000 words. Um, so you had to read in other places. I read science fiction, but um, I also read nurse books, for instance, um, and mysteries. And it came to me forcibly, I guess, as I was reading my way through that um, science fiction, the science fiction stories I was reading could really use the nurse books and the nurse books could really use the science fiction. They, they were approaching what's a, what's two a different dynamics. Book? A nurse book. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> they were romances. Um, uh. And what would happen is the intrepid nurse would, would meet a, a wounded, a wounded hero and nurse him back to health and they would fall in love. Uh, okay. Yeah. Or the doctor, or the ambulance driver, or the or the <laughs> whatever. The the important thing was the pathos of the situation of meeting somebody who's injured and and <clears throat> and going. It was it was a very. Uh, it was okay. Very Sorry, I thing. I interrupted you because I I just wanted to get that uh, that uh, terminology down. But okay, so you wanted to bring those concepts from the nurse books into. In the science, science fiction, fiction or, the, or the other way around. I was, you know, I wanted to have adventures. I wasn't against having adventures. So anyhow, the peanut butter and the chocolate was fairly well mixed by the time I met Steve, I think. Yeah, <laughs> we, we, we had, uh, we both had very diverse um, reading backgrounds before we met. And I had started off with uh, Andre Norton. I mentioned Andre earlier. And I also had been lucky enough to fall into uh, ownership of a lot of uh, pulp magazines as I was young. And the pulp magazines were the source for, uh, for Doc Smith and hundreds of other writers who were writing action adventure. Remember, this is when television wasn't big. This is when people who wanted to do something. Uh, what, uh, yeah, what, what years are we talking about in the, in the 60s the, or the 70s? Pulp fiction, the pulp fiction was being written from 1915 to say 1945 or 1950. Mm -hmm. And the, the thread goes from, easily for us, goes from amazing stories in 1926, call that the, the pulp fiction, and yeah. uh, follows on along. And so uh, having come up with a bunch of, uh, a bunch of these, at one point, Rogers Losny gave me his magazine collection. Oh, wow. Uh, when, when I was in, uh, when I was in college. So it, distracted from what I was supposed to be doing, but I read, so I had all of those, I had all of those to read too. And the, the, the point for both of us, I think, is that we had read other things too. You know, I read 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea uh, when I was in sixth grade. Uh, and, but I also was reading some of the boys books when I was in sixth grade because that was, was to hand and I was reading a book or two a day. Uh, that's oh, wow. what I did. I, 
we both had um, we, we both had that kind of a background and so the of doing a lot of reading all the time and so uh, when I met Sharon we both were familiar with the older fiction and we were also familiar with some of the newer newer comers at that point uh, Anne McCaffrey uh, had had come along and uh, Roger Zelazny had come along uh, and Roger had a big influence on what we did in some ways because I, I knew Roger. I used to go fix his typewriters for him because he was hell on typewriters and he would jam them up and, and, and stuff. And um, I had been at Roger's at one point and he said, you're not going to believe what's happened. And he said, what? And he said, I got off the phone. I've sold seven books at once. Wow. And that, of course, was the Amber series and the his, his nine princes in amor so we came up we came to the idea that we wanted not only to be able to write interesting stories <clears throat> about people but that had relationships going on and, and and things like that but we also wanted to write in a universe and roger had complained <clears throat> of himself that he had set himself up a problem by having people expecting everything to come serially and mm one after another after another and uh which is why when we started doing what we were doing we were looking at creating a universe so that we could play in the universe rather than having have everything go this story this story this story this story that way lies madness and this is why some of the old the old uh horse opera and uh mo the movie things got so strange is that you had to have a never-ending uh, increase of what ha what was happening. So some of the science fiction stories that run that would start out with a uh, you know a boy and a gun and his um, and a spaceship. Next thing you know, he's part of an army. The next thing you know, he's part of a galactic intergalactic or intergalactic core with spaceships behind him. And now they're doing time tunneling into another. You know, um, but if you have to do that, and every time each story has to build on that serially, you get in trouble after a while. You you run out of um, you run out of things. This is the problem that right now that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is running exactly. into. I don't know if you guys are keeping track of that, but um, I, I I mean I recently did a little live stream and talked with uh, some of our listeners about that. But my whole thing, uh, I, I should say, so sorry if this is a, a duplicate for a lot of people who have already watched that, but. I, I kind of got off that train after they finished that first big saga. And I went, well, okay, that was a great ending. Thank you very much. And I tried the next thing that came out and it was on TV. And if you guys are, are uh, for anybody listening, minor spoilers for Loki. It was the, the Loki TV show that came out. Mm -hmm. They're wandering through this interdimensional office space and somebody opens a drawer and here are all of the uh, infinity stones and loki says oh my gosh are those infinity stones and he goes yeah we use them as paperweights and it, <laughs> yeah, so many of them and it, it completely invalidated all of the emotional uh input that i'd had yeah. in this series for 10 years they said oh yeah no, no that's just a paperweight and i went well never mind i'm out yes. uh, because it's that you know they have to always ramp it up so i think i'm with you on that steve so we, um, we 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 decided to work in the in in the in the larger thing so we can take thread we take threads and, and whatever but the whole uh the focus of space opera 
oh, long about the time that um, David Hartwell came along, he wanted to take it away from the wild and woolly stuff to serious and important things because he, as an editor, was he wanted to do big, important books. And he did a lot of big, important books, but yes, he, he redefined space opera to uh, to push out, in effect, to uh, subdue the the fun things in favor of the larger, most important ideas and stuff like that. And our whole thing, I come from a, a background, I, I got to work briefly with Damon Knight at one point, and one of his essences of what he was writing for the person's beer money. And he wanted to be giving the people the same stuff they got with their beer money, which was a good time. <laughs> I love that. And that was that was one of his 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 things. That was what to him that was what science fiction and and the writing that you know was about. And one of the promises we made to each other as we were beginning to um, hone in on the Legion universe was that yes, we would write this, and if it stopped being fun for us, we would stop. Because um, life is life is too short to do things you hate to do. Um, Ain't that the truth? And and here we are, you know, 25, 25 books in one series, and we're still having fun. Um, <laughs> and we get we get to write about you know um, the last of the book we just turned in has a planet full of people with psychic powers, and what would that be like if you could just you know open doors with your mind, and that was your whole that you weren't. Um, yeah, a mutant, you know, this was how the culture was based, and the people mm -hmm. who were unfortunately not psychic and who have to cross the room and open the door with the doorknob um, are um, considered to be handicapped people. Um, they, mm. they're not, they don't have all of their abilities. Um, so that was kind of an interesting exercise, and, that, and Space Opera lets you do that. So, yeah, so if I understand the difference between the, the styles of storytelling you're talking about, there's that MCU constant ramp up, um, you know, step after step after step. Right. But then there's uh, what you're talking about is uh, if I dare bring up the name Gene Roddenberry again, <laughs> but no, this no. idea, <laughs> I'm kidding. No, he did great things. I love classic record. The, the I, idea I, of, um, of creating the universe and then every episode you get to go do a different thing on a different planet. Uh, and the adventures can be never ending. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's also not necessarily a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? There's not a drive to constantly up the ante. Right. You, the drive <clears throat> is to find something different, not necessarily something, different something and bigger. Interesting. Okay. And this was Star Trek also did is that they had the 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 crew. I mean, yes, Jim Kirk would you know throw off his shirt and run naked into the jungle at any um, any moment, but. Um, <laughs> There were a bunch of people working together. There wasn't just one guy. Um, right. So they, they did. And they see, spreading the story out is much, much more interesting than just follow, in my opinion, than just following one character, even one band of characters. Everybody, um, everybody has their job, including those red shirts. You've got a job, too, okay? <laughs> You've got a job but, to do, yes. Yeah, see, the, the thing is, is that a lot of what you're talking about with Roddenberry comes from episodic TV, and that's mm, how sure. te that's how television had been 
had been done. And then uh, J. Michael and some of these other people came along and said, hey, look, we can have story arcs and nobody does story arcs. We can have all these threads where you've got to follow this, 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 and this. And we've, but we've been doing it in writing all the, t- all the time. You know, over here in books, we've been doing story arcs for forever. Oh. Uh, but, the, but the thing is, is that you have to be careful. Again, you have to be careful in how you build it. Um, it, you lock yourself in if you make everything have to follow from the previous book exactly. This way, if we want to step off, I'm the book that I'm working on right now took place several hundred years prior to the book that Sharon just uh, finished up and said, here, I'm packing this off to the editor. So, so that's um, because that gives us, how did, it, how did we get here? It gives us the ability to go back and forth and to spread and to look at things from different, we have a whole series of stories that happened to be about a bakery. And this, this was the fault of an editor who um, asked us to write a Christmas story. Now, Lillian Universe, we don't have Christmas in Lillian Universe. <laughs> so basically, I, I took that as my assignment was to write a Hallmark story. Oh, nice. Um, for, for their Christmas page, for, for um, their December, December page, they, they do a story every, every month. And so we wrote, we wrote a story about a baker who this guy just shows up on a block and he's got a bunch of kids and he connects with the neighbors and they're, they're starting, this is a scene, and they're, they're starting to work together. And we, we handed in the story and waiting for the, what on earth is this? But that didn't come. That was like, oh, this is perfect. So that was good. But then we looked at each other and said, well, that was all very good, but who are these people? And we had to write another story to figure out where they came from. And then, then so they, a, it, no, go ahead, Steve. No, that's just that, that that's how these things grow for us. Um, we've been lucky enough to pick up readers over the years, and there's a uh, who who come to us on on the internet or at conventions and say to us, "What about this? What about this?" And one one of the characters was and shows up in in passing, I think, in in this the bakery thread. But one of the characters was a, a taxi driver. And we, we wrote a novel, and this taxi driver is on about eight paragraphs in this novel. And we go to a convention, and people start, what happened to the taxi driver? <laughs> um, so that's, that's a driving force there as, as, as a character. But the universe is big enough that the taxi driver can be important. And so, so can somebody working on the docks, and so can the person who is in charge of the starship. Mm-hmm. You might even call it a taxi driving force. Uh, there you go. Thank you. All right. Uh, so the question now, Steve, is so so what happened to the taxi driver? Uh, he, he wrote a short story about her. Well, a um, long uh, short story about her. I wrote, wrote, wrote a long sto- short story about her, but what happened at first is she drove one of the quote-unquote side characters who was only going to be in the book, in that one book for one scene, and he's ended up in about, 15 books and and is 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 a major but he's still a side character he's still a side character yes he is and um <laughs> she drove him to to a, a a um a mansion and she's driving this guy to the mansion from the spaceport and he said and he says you've got to take me here and she's looking at it are you um are you expected and he said you know i'm you know i'm going here and she's okay you're going here and then he says, wait for me. 
And she looked at him and said, no, 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 no. If you're expected here, you will not need a taxi to come out. And, and she so there was way around. Talk about threat. <laughs> you, you, you will not be needing a taxi. And so what ended up happening is that she had she became involved um, by necessity in a um, an attack um, on on that planet um, because after all she had a taxi and she was mobile and etc. So help move equipment and people. She um, could, she, and so she grew into that and she. She's still with us now, 14 books later or something. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. I, it's, uh, so it's discovery writing over decades, basically. Just yes. letting things come to you. That's great. I remember um, my favorite discovery writing example was uh, Tolkien writing a letter to somebody saying that uh, when the Hobbits, when he wrote the Hobbits to Bree, and then there was this guy sitting in the corner smoking a pipe uh, <laughs> with his hood down and he says I, I don't know who that is but i need to find out and that's yep. where aragorn comes from and you never know where stuff like that is going to take you um so that's yeah that's fun 14 yeah. books of of uh, taxi driver involvement that's <laughs> so i've got a question for you you guys have been in the game now for 35 ish years you know since the first Aiden book came out um and i i want to ask you about changes over time in uh, well, in a, a few different areas, but the one that's uh, kind of tickling my brain right now is following on this thread of the person that comes up to you in the convention and says, what happened to the taxi driver? I got to know. Mm -hmm. We call these people, and by these people, I mean ourselves, thank you very much, nerds. Uh, <laughs> if we define a nerd as somebody who gets uh, really obsessed with one thing and they learn all the minutia and they, they get uh, very involved um, mentally and emotionally with this one specific thing. So, um, you know, Star Wars nerds and Tolkien nerds, uh, mm -hmm. whatever else. Has that concept gotten stronger or weaker in the last few decades from what you can detect? Are fans <laughs> more or less nerdy about things? Or is this just a human tendency that, you know, we get to indulge in our uh, fabulously wealthy culture can I, uh we get to indulge our nerddom and we just kind of shift what we're nerdy about can uh, can, I, can i ask you a question your the, the yeah. question is do you know who forry ackerman is no okay you don't know forry ackerman see forry ackerman uh was involved in like the famous um the famous monsters the famous film uh, magazines and all of that. Forry Ackerman Forrest, was a fan. Forrest, Forrest Ackerman. Forrest J. Ackerman. Yes, Forrest that, J. That name Ackerman. yes that, Forrey, <laughs> that, that Forrey Ackerman who wrote me a letter at one point and signed it for E. Really? Yeah, mm -hmm. he was Forrey okay. Ackerman. Four and an E. Forrey. Nice. Okay, so Forrey Ackerman was... So, a fan. so that's, our, and, that's our bench right there, our benchmark and, for yeah, nerdy. We, we start we start back in the nineteen thirties with fans. You you want you know this nerd is 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 a new concept because fans were fans were fans. They they right. they started fans, off. Fans came fans came from fanatic. Sure. Okay. And and so fanatic equals nerd. Sure, we 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 can go there, and <laughs> the 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 thing is is that we I mentioned Doc Smith. And the Skylark of Valeron and his um, 
rings. You're, you're familiar with the, the, the and the um, one, two, three. He had um, mag almost magical jewels, except that they were science that uh -huh. people could wear and 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 look into the into the jewel and thus do mind reading and and do all these other all, all these other kinds of things he wrote a series of books and he he wrote his first one or two and then fandom discovered a him or he he discovered fandom and he went to conventions and people gave him story ideas and he could sit in a room and people would talk to him and he'd get his story ideas from them and he reflected what they wanted and that was part of what was going on and that's from that era too so um we're we're, we're now talking the, the 30 the late 20s 30s and even uh into the 40s for him um so no i i can't i would say that uh nerdier is not necessarily uh is not necessarily true and it, the range of who can be nerdy we have a, a a book an important book that shows up as part of our series and that book is proper a code of proper conduct okay so we it's were more, about it is more than a book it's like the oxford english dictionary it's, it's <laughs> well, yeah, and these and and people are supposed to whole committee that takes care of it and updates it and things so okay so you're supposed to you're you're supposed to know this if you happen to be a liaison you're supposed to know this backwards and forward because somebody can stab you in the face if you do something wrong that's not in that book so about five books in we got a letter on lawyer stationery from a lawyer explaining to us that one of our people had acted out of code oh wow yeah right he had he had done he had done something that was not to code and i'm sitting here reading this letter and i we wrote back to him and said listen um we are making this up as we go along. And if you have a copy of the hidden code of proper conduct, send it to me because I have a need for it. Um, and he wrote it. He wrote a very gentle apology. That and and, and, uh, and um, eventually we had, we had actually found the place where, um, where Sean, Sean used Galen was exonerated from having done something wrong. He had, but it really was. It took, close reading of three chapters to find the particular line that proved he had done it right. Um, and obviously we've got um, four million or six million words out there right now. We cannot go back through every, every one of them and make sure we've got it right this, to that degree each time. But we, the stories were catching people. And so if that's a nerd, yeah, that's a nerd. Um, okay, yeah. fine. And it's still there, but it was back for Fari Ackerman too. We depend on our fans, on, on our readers, because I don't have time to constantly reread our body of work in the leading universe I, because mm. we, we're still under contract, so we have books to write. And if I have forgotten something, like a particular character's surname, or did we ever say that Denobly was a master trader, or is he just a trader and a counselor, um, I will go on to Facebook and say scavenger hunt. Oh, nice. I need to know this thing. Um, and there are people who know this and who know where to find it. And those very same people started a Leiden Universe wiki on the web, which is voluminous. There's, there's all of the details you ever want to know about the Leiden Universe. Um, and yeah. that's, a, that's completely a volunteer and a fan effort. So that's so nerdy, I guess. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess you're, you're crowdsourcing your 
beta reading or your um, it, what's oh I I work with Brandon Sanderson and he employs a continuity specialist. Right. <laughs> it's somebody oh, okay. who like, keeps yeah. up keeps his mm -hmm. entire uh, uh, archive of information and facts about characters and events and places. Nora uh, Nora Roberts has 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 a person whose job is to keep the database. There you go. Yeah, many many exactly. things. I I was on a panel with her, and they were she was they were explaining she was explaining how she did it, and they everybody else on the panel could have fallen on their swords. I think when I explained, no, we ask our fans. We ask our fans, or it's in our head. Um, the wrong answer is it's in it's in my head. <laughs> <laughs> so do you do you feel? And I know we're kind of diving into this uh, a different rabbit hole now but hey this is the legendarium and we go on tangents that's what we do um but do you how much do you worry about continuity and that sort of thing uh when you're you know you're 20 30 books in and you're going you know yeah sure that happened in book four but you know i only learned about it later and i don't really care that much uh or no, is it really no, no. important to you to try to get things really you have uh, to care you have to you care you have to care if you don't care, um, people will notice. Mm. Um, if you don't, if you haven't written something because you really want, if you hate something when you write it, people will notice when you read when they read it. And um, there, there's, yeah, there's two sides to that. Part of that is 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 that caring is part of how we can look at a find a character and say, oh, we talked about this person. Maybe we can use this person from back there. Uh, sometimes we do need to go and, and do a scavenger hunt to have somebody. I say, in what book did this happen? So we can go back and, and check. Or, but not only do we have the 25, uh, 26 books now we're working on, where we turned in the yes, 26. 26 books have turned in. <laughs> okay. So not only do we have that, we have um, five collections of short stories worth um, 600,000 or 800,000 words of short stories and, and things that have taken place. So there's a lot of, uh, a, a lot of things have happened. Uh, and we do try to keep to make sure that we don't cross a boundary. Uh, very early on in our experience uh, with the Lee Aiden universe, we also were running a, a computer bulletin board. And I had somebody try to take over a game by turning one of our characters, putting one of our characters in, in, in this online game and then turning turning him in rogue. And I blew the I blew the entire um thing off the web. I, I just said, no, I took the game down and, and said, and explained that this character has got to be available for us to work with. And if you start putting me, these, these things into somebody else's head, that's going to change the, the, the general thing. So we're very, we're very serious in, in that regard. And we do try to keep the, uh, to keep the stories, uh, consistent. We might miss a, an occasional thing. I mean, uh, we, we do do a lot with misdirection. Um, something can be said in book four, um, which is ambiguous. And in book 15, we go, you know what that meant? It didn't mean the straight read. It meant the crooked read. And you can springboard from that. But it yeah. still has to be logical. Yeah, um, Lewis. You, you can't just say, forget everything we said in book four. We don't believe that anymore. <laughs> no, Lois McMaster's um, Bougeau had said at one point, the, the author can have a better idea yes. about something that happened in one of her books. And she said, you know, the author can have a better idea. Uh, and that's true to some extent. 
but uh, the massive retconning that goes on in, in Marvel and, and in some of these things, no, you, you've got to be, well, for us, it's, it's worked that by being true to the characters, we're trying to, to work with uh, characters. And when you do that, we we act like we're, we're 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 little gods, you know. Spinoza did the um, God acts out of the necessity of his own being, yes, so well, that God, God can do something. Miracle. Yeah, so miracles don't happen if you believe in if you if you have a, a sense of what Spinoza's doing. Going back the other way, we we feel that our characters each act out of the necessity of their own being, and this is why the taxi driver picked up a fandom because the character wasn't just there and placed there because we needed a red shirt or because, but because the character was there because this is what she did. This is what she wanted to do. And this is how she, she knew her root. She knew her route and she knew that um, usually people who wanted to go to Jalaza Kazan, no, Triela Fantrol, Triela the Fantrol. gate was barred. The gate was barred. That, that was her, her experience. And this guy is saying, no, no, I'm going there. I'm expected. And so this will be interesting. And she shows um, up, and the gate opens for her. And it's like, um, whoa, this is something. <laughs> so, um, but that's out of the necessity of their own being, and uh, not because we needed that character there. The character ended up there because that was the right person for the for the yeah. thing. And it's uh, so that consistency. I was just on a panel with Keith. Keith, all right, <laughs> And um, Keith said something very wise, which is there are no throwaway characters. All characters, all people, all characters are important to someone. So that um, he was using this to justify introducing you to people who were red shirts, who were going to die, mm, and giving yeah. you a little bit of an insight into them before he killed them. Um, because they, the death has to count for something. It's not just... A plot device. This, you know, if you're going to pay attention to the story and pay attention to the people in the story, this death has to matter to you. Have um, you ever run across a situation where, okay, so maybe not the taxi driver, but maybe somebody else, a character that you wrote that uh, that the fans ended up investing more in than you had originally? That's not to say you didn't care about them at all when you wrote them, but. Uh, you, you know, you thought, okay, this is the purpose that they'll serve, and then it morphs into something else and turns into something completely different because of what you perceive as the fan reaction to it. Um, wow, that's kind of complicated. Yeah, um, I know. It's a, that's <laughs> now, a tough question. No, I'm, I'm serious. It's it, it it is complicated, and uh, over over time, we've been able to get a lot of fan reaction. We have, we have you know, Facebook we has have three so different. many characters. We have so many characters that people mm -hmm. um, people tend to invest in certain groups of characters. There are there's a, an arc, the Theo arc, um, of and people invest in Theo and her crew. And there's the Valkani Miri arc, which started with with Agent of Change, and people want to follow Valkani Miri. Um, so sometimes people are disappointed because they've gotten oh. Sean and Priscilla in a book, and they really wanted another Theo book. Um, but in people, back again, the, you're a fan of what you're a fan of. Then um, mm. whoever catches your interest, of course, your favorite, you, you want more of them. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, there you go. Hey, I was just curious, uh, <laughs> but uh, okay. So let's let's do this. Uh, Steve and Sharon, authors of uh, the Liaden series, uh, the Liaden, what do we call it? The Liaden universe. It's the uh, Liaden universe. There you go. That's that's what I thought. Um, I. I feel like we've talked about it enough that hopefully somebody who's going to be intrigued has had enough to ping their pleasure centers and get them intrigued and want to go check out this series if they haven't yet. I was telling you before we started the microphones, I know that I read one of these a long time ago, so long that it doesn't even count at this point. But I wanted to ask you this. If someone wanted to check out the Liaden universe, do they start at book one and then read through? Or where do you like to point people as an entry point these days? What, what usually happens is someone says, where do I start? I don't want to, you know, 26 books is too much. It's I a say, lot, what, yeah. What do you like to read? Mm -hmm. What do you like to read? If you like Regency romances, for instance, you want to start with Local Custom and Scout's Progress. Um, two easy ways into the universe. If you like action and adventure you want to start with agent change which happens to be the first one um if you like stories about traitors you want to start with conflict of honors maybe or maybe with jethry goblin jethry has um four or five steve books yeah um, I, I think that we're, you can we're read five. Yeah. five so you can read all about the trade side um mm -hmm. if you like um if you just want to sample a standalone i'm guessing necessity's child um, which gives you a flavor for the characters and for the culture, the, the several cultures that are clashing in that one, and the movement of of the story. Uh, yeah, it kind of reminds me of um, reading Pratchett when I first was introduced to Terry mm -hmm. Pratchett. And I you said, can well, read where Death. do I start? And yeah. they said, well, what, what kind of book do you want to read? You know, uh, yeah. try to read Death, trilogy. you can read The Guards, you can read. And yeah. um, in. In general, really, because of how books work, you can pick up a book and start reading it because books work by telling you the story as you go on, and it should give you enough backstory that you're not totally lost. Yeah. Um, having read more in the series should only enrich enrich the book, which shouldn't. But a newbie, a newbie, a new reader shouldn't be completely lost by picking up by picking up any book. Yeah. Well, there you go. Okay. Well, I I feel like we got a shotgun with a bunch of recommendations, which I love. So what I'm going to do is link to those in the uh, show description or the show notes so people can check that out. Um, I know that many of our listeners are immersed in the Leaden universe. Uh, that's, that's great. But if you haven't tried it yet, then try one of those uh, titles that I will link to in the description. All right, any parting thoughts on your experience with space opera, writing it, consuming it? Is there any any parting wisdom you want to throw our way before we head out for the day? <laughs> parting wisdom. <laughs> well, we're we're, ho we're we're hoping that we're getting readers who who read to enjoy and who who read to who read to enjoy, to relax. Uh, we hope you're not invested in every book having to have to reveal the the extreme secrets of, of life because that's not what we're writing we're not that's not why we're writing we're, we're writing for fun and we're writing we're writing for an adventure that you can walk away from 
and that's that's part of the 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 joy of the being able to deal with these kinds of books mm. and uh that's what we hope our readers are are, are finding I mean, that's the reactions we get from most of our readers yes sometimes there are ser there are serious things discussed yes there are there are points that when you look at it later somebody says oh my god i never realized you had that in there okay that's cool that means it worked for us and it worked it, it worked for them too but it's we don't start off with the books aiming at this is what somebody has to take away from this, you know? Mm. No, that's not we, what we're we doing. Say, we say things. We, we say things over and over again. People are people no matter what they look like. We say that a lot in the Lean universe. For instance, we deal with AIs. We deal with um, different cultures. We, um, and, But that's not the point of the book. I mean, the point of the book is to have fun. There you go. I um, I dated somebody once who told me, she says, uh, I I want to be casual with my time, but not necessarily my feelings. Yes. And I, I loved that formulation. I thought, oh, that's really interesting. So, you know, you don't want to devote 100% of your time to this, but that doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy it. Uh, feel something, uh, mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Does that does that ring pretty true then? Yes, to become yes. be engaged, to be engaged. Um, we write go. we write escapism, and that means that we're giving you a chance to escape your daily life, and you know the roof leaks or whatever's going on. Your boss is a jerk, and sit there and read about somebody else's problems for a while, <laughs> and and not be not be drained or um, exhausted when you get to the end of it. You should be happy when you finish a book. I love that. I love that. I think there is a place in the world for the other type of story um, mm -hmm. versus what you're talking about. That It has its place, but we can't just constantly consume ultra heavy stuff all the time, right? So right. I, no, I love no dystopia. Having... No. Say no to dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes. So it, sometimes. Often I do. Sometimes I don't. Uh, but Steve Miller and Sharon Lee, thank you so much for taking a, a little bit of time today to chat with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having us. And for everybody else, like I said, go check out the show notes for the links to the Liaden Universe books that we mentioned here. Uh, and then also make sure you go to thelegendarium.com where you can find uh, past episodes, future episodes on the calendar. You can find a contact sheet so that you can ask me about the meetup that we're doing in Salt Lake City next February. Uh, so everybody should go check that out, as well as the links to Patreon and Discord where you can join the conversation. Uh, once again, thank you to my guests, and especially thank you to everybody for listening. I will see you next time. Bye.